Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Podcast Maneuver, the officially unofficial podcast for Star Trek Picard on Paramount+. Plus. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're covering Season 3, Episode 4, The No-Win Scenario, uh, a.k.a. the Kobayashi Maru. Aaron, uh, how'd you feel about Episode 4? When facing a no-win scenario, like telling my opinion about this episode... I find it useful hmm. to defer to your opponent. So I'm going to ask you, Jim, what did you think of this episode of Picard? <laughs> I like this episode. Uh, I don't feel like it's a no-win scenario to give my opinion. Uh, this felt like a strong episode of TNG to me. Um, you've got kind of a bridge crew that kind of resembles a TNG bridge. You've got Picard back in the captain's chair giving orders. You've got... Uh, you know the impossible situation the the failing systems that they're given a, a timer for that they have to jump in there and work together as a group most importantly i think uh it's actually come up with a solution for a crazy plan that the crew is like yeah this this has very little chance of working but the audience knows will 100 percent absolutely work because that's just how it goes um yeah felt like a, a really good star trek the next generation episode I will say that I like this a lot more than last episode. I It really gave me a bad taste in my mouth that like Picard and Riker were at each other's throats over what I felt like were bizarre reasons. And I was happy to see that they kind of brushed that aside. Um, uh-huh. And, and that did not drag down the rest of the episode. But there's this, I don't know, it's just really funny. Because I was... Um, this show just gets away with so much. Like... Mm. Riker is just going over his crew like we have to shut and shunt everything even life support out oh, uh, yeah. blah 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 and then the very next scene Picard has taken Jack to the holodeck mm-hmm. and I'm Which... thinking like this <laughs> is fucking nuts that they're powering up the holodeck when they have and then, uh-huh. then, then just as I was thinking that Picard's like Relax, Aaron. This has got a super secret special power source just for the yeah. crew to use in these times so they can distract themselves. I'm like, oh, That's get the fuck out of here. Ad hoc bullshit, man. That is like, garbage. If, yeah. if, if, if that was true, if Jordi LaForge were here, he would have jumper cables and Wesley Crusher, uh-huh. and they would have they would have shunted that power to the emergency backup systems in all 30 seconds. Yeah, there's so. your extra 2% on the thrusters. You don't have to shut down life support. Just... And it's just that, like, oh, we're yeah. 98% thrusters. That extra 2% is make or break. It's like, I, I, some of that stuff kind of drives me crazy. Some of that stuff happened in TNG, too, of course. Oh, yeah. That's 100% But, like, TNG. yeah, this episode is, like, 50%. I really liked, admired what they're doing, and 50% self-inflicted stupid shit. But that's, I think, the Picard <laughs> totally. experience. That's Picard experience. Yeah, I don't um, know how when you order everything except life support shutdown, the shields aren't, aren't also part of that. But, yeah. okay, 
Maybe they and also I, you have know, I Also, I found myself, because um, there's been some ink written about like, oh, there's no swearing in my Star Trek. And I'm like, uh, you know, if you look back at the 90, the 80s and 90s landscape, they did what they could get away with. You know, Riker would say, what the hell is going on? Or like, damn you. <laughs> and, you know, they didn't say like shit or bitch or stuff like that. They'd say hell. But like, you know, they, they got away with what you get away with on uh, primetime syndicated television. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't mind when a salty admiral said, what the fuck are you doing to Picard in season one? I did not like how and when Picard said the word fucking in this episode. Yeah, I'm with you. And I'm like, it annoys me when I have the same complaint that I've dismissed in so many others. But I don't know. It just felt different. It felt like. Yeah. So like they just they just keep on doing things that I feel like these are all my beloved characters and they look and sound like them most of the time and then every once in a while they're possessed by an an evil alien energy entity and they say or do some crazy bizarre shit for like a scene and then they're back normal and that's i feel like that's where uh where i'm at with this um and we didn't get any wharf that's the other big true big lack in this episode but we also didn't get any rafi Uh, I gotta say the mentor mentee relationship between Worf and Rafi is kind of fascinating. I'm warming yeah, up to Rafi yeah. because of her proximity to Worf, who totally. again he's the one guy who has just killed it. You know they they haven't they haven't fucked him up and give him a, a false note yet. Mm-hmm. Um, like you know it's like he's drinking sleepy time bear tea. He, his favorite his warrior's drink was prune juice in original. Like that's you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Worf is a bit of a lol cow. Okay. That's part of his DNA. I love it. Picard is not. Picard is not. Yeah. So, so yeah, it was a, it was another mixed bag for me, but I did like it. I, like I said, I just really found it unpleasant to see Riker and Picard hating each other for for no damn good reason and making forgetting how to be the captain of a starship. Um, yeah, they kind of bring it back around here in this episode, which I I really loved because it's like Riker yeah. admitting, "Look, I've got other shit going on. I snapped mm-hmm. at you not because you made a bad call." And doomed us all, but because I've been dealing with some shit, right? Mm-hmm. That, that made a lot of sense, um, and I liked that whole that whole line of of the plot here uh, with him trying to figure out how to live after his kid dies. Because agreed, as unfortunate as it is, that's sometimes part of being a parent is loss. Yeah, yeah. I like I said, I just I still have some notes on that scene too. Like I said, there's. Almost nothing huh, that was like okay. just 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 perfect. Um, but I don't know. Some of it just might be. I, I find it very hard. Um, you know, like when J.J. Abrams reboots Star Trek, I kind of like, okay, this is a new Star Trek. It's not going to be the same. It's going to be a little mm-hmm. bit different. But when I see these TNG characters, I kind of want them to act and have the same worldview that they had back. Like the Federation might have changed, but like Riker understands what it's like to live in like a secular communist utopia but like mm-hmm. none of these people act like they do they act like they've all been uh like there's been a retcon where the starfleet's always been this depressive authoritarian shithole place that you know and i just like it just bothers me every single time i see them mm-hmm. you know like god don't, aren't you married to a therapist that can literally sense your emotions why are you so fucked up dude Mm-hmm. You, you had, you had, you know, like, you, uh, yeah, so anyway, 
It's just it's yeah. just a big change because Roddenberry wanted that, right? His whole thing right. with the next generation is like there shouldn't be conflict between the crew. It should be a collaborative. There should be conflict from outside, but mm-hmm. they shouldn't just like have petty jealousies and like you know runaway personality defects and whatnot. Certainly not on the flagship of the the Federation. And yeah. I feel like yeah. we've come a ways away from that in modern Trek. Sure have. Worn it. Yeah, and it's it's made it something less in my eyes. Um, because there's an endless amount of stuff out there that can have this worldview where things are complicated and you have to like sift through the bullshit to get to the good, to the golden nuggets. Um, Star Trek wasn't that Star Trek was always here is an ideal to hold up and aspire to. And yeah, they've gotten really far away from that. There's something about their process because essentially the same people to make this makes Star Trek strange new worlds. And that show Mm -hmm works i i I feel like most you know i've in in the golden age of television you have a writer's room and you have a whole bunch of writers and they're you know you get like someone gets credited for writing a script it's my understanding that a lot of the shows that i really admire and love like you know breaking bad and the leftovers and even like rick and morty like a person will get a sign you know get their name on the script but essentially almost everyone has a hand on like kind of polishing that and tweaking that and making sure everything kind of goes this it really feels like they break story beats up and give it to a singular writer and that person just kind of like does it with no notes so <laughs> like the episodes kind of like drunkenly stagger from one character thing to the next and like going extreme in one direction and back the other um i get that must work on strange new worlds because they're epi- they're very uh, episodic yeah yeah but the serialized thing they're going for here it's like it doesn't seem like they can sustain a storyline that bridges more than two or three episodes before it's like, what? Wait, wait, we got here because of this, Mm -hmm. you know? Anyway, that's, that's my thoughts. That said, I think this has been a four run, uh, four episode run that has been much better than the previous two seasons, four episodes. This is true. No, I, I, I would say I have no complaints if I'm holding it up against, uh, other shows that I've seen that have done the first four much better sure there's stuff to complain about but you hold it up against previous seasons of picard and it's like boy this is actually pretty good yeah um i don't know that might be what you call damning with faint praise but i Mm -hmm. I get it and Mm -hmm. i also say this because um i think part of my star trek and certainly star wars fandom is a bit of a nitpicker like I did like pouring over the technical manuals. Sure. I did like finding when there was continuity errors and production problems and the the in-universe explanations for why the Klingons' foreheads keep changing and stuff like that. Like I, that's part mm-hmm. so like part of me bitching is me reverting back to that. You know why did this do it this way? But then in this thing it did it the other way. And you know why was Star Trek four so good and Star Trek five was so bad? And uh, you know it feels like coming home. Yes. I feel you. You 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 wouldn't do those things if you didn't have an affection for the material to begin with. Yeah, yeah. you wouldn't waste the time, right? You wouldn't give a right. shit why, uh, you know, Picard had this amount of hair in this year and this amount of hair in a different flashback. Yeah, but when you love something, you go into the details. You get obsessed with it like that. So, yeah, it comes from a place of affection for sure. Uh, the one thing I do think at the end of this episode is Shaw owes Picard an apology or at least like a glass of of Chateau Picard and an opportunity to explain what like his side of Wolf 359 because I 
I get it. Shaw lost a bunch of people at 359 and almost lost his own life, but like boy, he's really not considering the other side of that. The hell that was right. Picard's life during that time too, right? And the hell that it's yeah. been after. So Shaw refusing to see his ship's counselor for going on 20 years now. Um, uh-huh. Totally. I uh <laughs> I know you said it's like he gives Picard a bottle of Chateau Picard. That's so funny. <laughs> the idea that someone would get it'd be like someone coming up to us and be like oh i'm such a huge fan i got you this bald move t-shirt uh-huh. <laughs> is it custom no i just got a merch.baldmove.com it's just a four pips with the bald move logo uh-huh. but you know i wanted you to have it thanks yeah. i wore it a few <laughs> times too <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> yeah it's know. like it's not even a full bottle it's got the it's it's yeah it's the foil re-corked. pulled back and the the cork is crooked and hastily shoved back in there's and half the bottle's missing uh-huh but hey Hey, it was a good year. Good vintage. (laughs) Anyway. All right. Maybe we should get into the recap. Let's. Set phasers to add. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Captain on the Bridge, welcome back to the podcast maneuver. We start off five years ago with a flashback. Picard is asked by a bunch of recruits about some of his exploits. He sets off the theme of the episode uh, by telling them essentially to remember that unity brings hope. And then we flash forward to the hopeless situation in the present day uh, as the Titan falls into the nebula's gravity well. They apparently have 9% power and it's falling Seems to be no way out. Riker orders everything shut down except life support to specific areas of the ship in order to buy the crew a few more hours. They get hit with this bioelectric wave, and then Riker orders the shields dropped in order to preserve those. Again, I don't know how shields are not included in shut down everything except life support. Mm-hmm. But but that's that's the situation. Right. They're really like the plot is doing a lot here to just strip them down to nothing, right? Like, yeah, no shields, yeah. no power, no King life support. They're tumbling, certain, they're tumbling uh-huh. end over end, ramming into asteroids and stuff. Yep. Um, this introductory scene, it's like this is the kind of just so storytelling that irritates me. It's like we want, hmm. we are going to invent this vignette that is going to tie our episode together thematically, and that really annoyed me. But then we got to the end, and they revealed that Jack Crusher did go back to try to find yep. out about his old man. I liked it, and as a, that was pretty good. I will. The, the everybody stood up and clapped part of the end it just kind of like that's that's it's like they couldn't help themselves on that but like yeah it kind of works 
So it's it's still this kind of just so retro storytelling that like it's very much the, it's very similar to what Ryan Murphy does every year in American horror story where it's like he's got a solid premise and some good ideas and good cast and got a couple bullet points for what they do and it's like okay and and a solid banger finale well what do we do for episodes three through eight he's like oh, i don't fucking know like you know it's uh right casual <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> sure uh just evasive just just right evasively you know just just stay out of range of the the fans turbo laser batteries you'll be okay um yeah. But yeah, no, I, I really do like the framing device of this uh, when when the final reveal comes. I I like what they're trying to do. I like the message, even though it's a little clumsy in execution. I like the message that they're giving Picard in that season or the, that final scene um, that we'll talk about more when we get there. But yeah, yeah. this is this is working for me. Yeah. And I also the, the TNG of it all this like um bioelectrical wave that has a particular timing that the doctor is keying into and it's like the dawning awareness that does feel like an old school TNG plot you know mm-hmm. and it's it's somehow going to ha- lead to an out of the box solution to get out of the latest crisis yep and you're going to get an engage at the end and all is right in the world uh yeah so the next scene Riker goes to Picard uh first he apologizes for kicking him off the bridge uh, and saying he doomed everybody. And then he tells him that the about the dire situation they're in and that he should probably take the next few hours to get to know his son before they all die. Um, and, and he tells him that in a roundabout way where he's talking about like his own feelings about his son's death uh, and how he felt nothing, apparently, yeah. after the death. He was so obviously, all, all of our theories were completely wrong. This was not uh-huh. a ruse a la Wrath of Khan. No. This was not... Um, the changeling as as Riker or something yeah they just Picard like it's wild that Riker apologized to Picard because the other thing is like they it turns out that Picard is right that Riker was afraid of loss Uh somehow um was afraid to die or something had already experienced it and it had already affected him I don't know if that's fear of loss that's effects of loss but Similar. But there's like that's the other thing. This 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 these people are also really good at writing one-off monologues. Mm-hmm. Like what Riker says here, like uh, and and remixing things I know to be true. Like imagine being married to an empath. They don't know what you're thinking, but they know what you're feeling at all times. And then you go mm-hmm. through this shared loss and grief experience, and then your partner just completely becomes a black hole to you. Yeah, because they're just suppressing they feel everything. Nothing. That's like a great fucking idea. That's great, mm-hmm. great hook for story. It's just. That would be better served to actually see Will right. and Diana go through that rather than have him kind of like spill it out in a confessional in like 30 seconds. But it is a it is a great idea. And it's also like I don't understand how Riker got here. I don't understand how his career in Starfleet completely unpre- left him unprepared to deal with the loss of his child. The fact that he was struggling with the fact that the after- afterlife doesn't exist, probably these never that didn't feel like Riker to me. Again, it's a great yeah. it's a great hook for some episodes around Riker and Deanna, but like, um, I don't know. It it's a great scene that didn't work in the context of these characters' lives. I think I agree with that. Um, does this feel does it feel like the Riker cooking pizzas on the one planet? Maybe he was drowning I mean, himself in pizzas, poisonous rabbit pizza. pizza. 
the whole time Deanna's like pulling her hair out like no. he's just not, he won't feel anything he just he just fucking cooks in a stone pizza oven yeah it didn't feel like he was cooking because his son had died and he didn't know how to deal with it it felt like he was cooking because he enjoyed being alive right yeah. and then the, the feelings he got while cooking not maybe the insane security procedures were a, a clue that he was like drowning on the inside like this is a Riker who's obsessed and paranoid and he's got level 3 security devices and all of his windows trying to keep his daughter safe yeah blast yeah 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 I maybe. guess you could draw but like man yeah, if they if they were better at this and they had a little bit of a plan, this could have really paid off well. But eh, it's just okay. Yeah, you're right. Feels like a bit of a retcon. Uh, and they have to. <laughs> there's they, a lot they, of they, they both have to be just t- terrible dog shit captains in the previous episode. Like everything Riker did wasn't working, and then Picard's like, "Will you have to try the one thing?" And then he tried the one, thing, and they fucked that up too. It's like, well. Mm-hmm. Psh- Double dumbass, as Picard, or as, as <laughs> James Kirk T. Kirk say, once yeah. said. <laughs> Double dumbass on me. Uh, all right, let's move over to Seven. She sneaks into the transporter officer's quarters to find his body. Uh, she reports it to Riker, and Riker tells her, keep this quiet, but he also says he wants her to remain in an unofficial capacity so that she can go after the changeling without... I guess Starfleet regulations. Dude. Like, you're not bound by any law that humans know at this point, Seven. Do your worst. I know. It's like this actually felt like a cool idea that they did not capitalize at all. Her unofficial capacity is going to the captain in her role as commander and, like, talking to him. Uh Uh-huh. And then then conducting (laughs) an investigation as the command. Yeah. Section 31 shit. I wanted some, like... Devious yeah stuff but like no. like talked sidle up to the crew it's had some some suspicions and some nope none of that nope not that's go start just... punching people like lay somebody out on the deck and figure this shit out like you are bound right. by no human law at this point do your right worst seven right like Make yeah you're gonna it, but it, they they don't really do anything with that so it's like okay nope. interesting no nope. um i did find it very interesting this guy was a transporter chief we're talking about getting o'brien all right. We tried my was the one thing we talked about like where is the hole? Where's mm-hmm. the gap? Well, we, I could use some O'Brien if you need if you're if you're down a transporter chief, you need a good one. Yeah. I know where to find him. <laughs> O'Brien is so much more than a transporter chief now. I know. Like, I know. He's but, been through a whole series as but, chief engineer sh- on a space sh- station on the most important post in the galaxy. <laughs> Well, you know what? Shaw is a hell of a lot more than a grease monkey, but guess what? He got on that mechanics creeper and he monkeyed some grease. This so is true. They I saw need no a transporter grease, chief. Yeah, he could be their he could be their chief engineer, but he's going to be their transporter chief by God. Sure, he could do both. Telling me the forge couldn't operate a transporter? Get out of here! Right, right. The the, the daddy LaForge, not Crash. She probably yes. can too. Yeah. Uh yeah, so she she's gonna go do that. Um, then we go to Beverly counting the time between ele- bioelectric waves. Uh, Picard arrives in sick bay and gives the bad news to her with just kind of a nod or a shake of the head, and then he asks to speak privately with Jack. And at this point, I'm like, what what is happening here? Are they being? Because I remember last episode we made a big deal about the <laughs> life saving defibrillator or whatever mm-hmm. uh, that was like. Something that the the chief medical officer on the ship had no idea about, apparently, like was right. incapable of doing. I was thinking, are they? Is the Enterprise like 
inside an entity that is benevolent and was trying to like shock it back to health like restart its systems with these things of course it's going to be something a little different than that but that's effectively where they go yeah by the end of this they ride this wave right and it's like super obvious the first time that thing and the lights all turn on i'm like literally being like oh well this is how they're going to beat it they're just going to figure out a way to but that's every that's like a third of every tng script the local Mm -hmm. phenomenon how are they going to shunt it to the hyperspace relays which part of the the secondary plasma conduct yeah or Uh reverse flush the basard ram scoops Uh if they're really fucking clever uh that particular episode yeah fictional particle are they going to Mm -hmm. harness accelerate or or (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) so yeah that that stuff is pretty obvious uh seven goes to shaw and tells him about the changeling on board and asks for his help why do they give this guy this ridiculously large jungle combat knife like a a presumably federation issue and he's just sharpening it like did you buy shaw as a knife sharpening guy it's hobby. It's got to be a hobby, right? Because I've never yeah, seen. I guess. Like, I guess I've seen knives, but they're always like Klingons have knives. That's their signature. Klingons weapon. have knives. Federations have like hollow scalpels that are just like yeah. fiber optic things that just painlessly open. Yeah, yeah. they do everything I'm with nev- energy. Like I can't it, think I've ever seen a Federation like rifle with a bayonet or a conventional like any kind of conventional cutting thing. But he is just got a whetstone and right he now. is sharpening this to sh- to shaving uh-huh. sharp. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. That's got to be a Shaw thing. Very apocalypse now. Going to the the beat the the meet Colonel Cruz and in, in his <laughs> darkened room. Well, the whole fucking ship looks like uh yeah uh, where Marlon Brando was hanging out in mm-hmm. in Apocalypse Now. It's everything shadowy. Nothing's got the when when the ship gets a power surge, it looks like a TNG era ship. The lights right. turn on. You can see people. But, but but even when they shut down all the systems, there's not like a considerable dimming of anything, right? Dude, it's all just like I thought the same everywhere. thing. They have to like when the pow- ship is without power, it looks like there was a start. Like when the Enterprise D without power, you fucking knew it looked like a uh-huh. you know it looked like a building with the power cut. This it's like uh, it's slightly darker. There might be some steam pouring out of vents or a red hazard light, but yeah, it's yeah. really hard. It's not a lot of contrast between the ship at peace and the ship fucked. Yeah. Do you think Shaw... Do you think Shaw replicates, like, really dull knives so that he can sharpen <laughs> them? Of course, of course, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm like, he's not going to bring these things. He's not going to bring crates. He's going out on multiple-year missions. He's not going to bring crates of dull knives with him, right? Right. So he's just replicating... Does he have like a percentage? Like, give me a twenty percent sharp blade. I, I'm feeling. I wonder if he says something real. like, "A computer, give me a standard Federation combat knife after it spent three weeks cutting through the jungles of Versailles three. Oh, or he'll shit. be like, he "Give me a Federation combat knife after it spent a, a spent three centuries in the deserts of Shinai seven. And like, it's, a, like, it's like it's like it's a difficulty. Combat. Oh yeah, oh yeah. He's setting up scenarios for us. Like, give me a combat knife that sliced through four of the six uh life support cables on Lacutus Borg. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah, and give me eight of those actually. I could use Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got, I got some a long real weekend Borg, here. Borg aggression to work out. Uh <laughs> uh then we go to Riker trying to record a message to uh Deanna, but his words are not coming out. Yeah. 
Yeah. And this is a long shot uh, anyway, right? Like whatever he's going to say here is likely not going to be found ever, but which it's like I said, this is a cool scene, but it sets up one of the uh-huh. dumbest pieces of uh, uh, conflict later in the episode. Because Riker dismisses their hmm. one shot to escape with like, but it could destroy the ship and I want to leave a message behind. Oh, <laughs> like right, that's right, his, right. That's his big objection to the, the Hail Mary plan to save them all. Yeah. Uh, he won't for, vote for certain death unless it leaves something behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Picard takes Jack to 10 forward in the holodeck, which, as you mentioned, has its own power, its own ad hoc bullshit power supply. Uh, it's a, yeah, it's like it's again, yeah, it's it's, it's Picard's just like, don't worry, we're not being dicks. That's all you need to know. We're <laughs> right. not, we're we're not literally fiddling as the Titan burns. At least they thought about it. I feel like this is something like a show like The Walking Dead wouldn't even think about. They'd be like, yeah, oh, the zo- the zombies can't climb. Well, how are they going to get these guys on a roof? They they wouldn't even have that conversation. But they could have just not. I, I I don't understand why it would be a bummer for him and and Jack to go to one of the crew shelter in place, and it's like mm-hmm. a little dark room, and they go to a corner of it, and they just have an intimate conversation. Like, why do we yeah. have to file the fire the holodeck up? I mean, I get the stated reason that like you provide right. uh, the crew with like comfort and all that kind of stuff, whatever, whatever. But like, so the first guy that gets there gets to gets to decide what scene it's going to be. We're going to do an yep. interfaith chapel. Are we going to do like a giant sw- raging party? Are we going to are we do, gonna do uh, some kind of heart Cabana of darkness on Riza? Like, <laughs> or are we going to do some kind of heart of darkness? Like, you come in here, we're going to hunt each other for sport mm-hmm. with the safety mm-hmm. interlocks turned off. Like, well, yeah, who gets, to... gets there first? Do you fight targs? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who gets to set the vibe on this? Picard fires up its tin forward. You know, like this kitschy mm-hmm. place on Earth. Like, what the other and the other's like, is this a private event? Oh no, come on into my comforting fantasy it's yeah. also can we Bizarre. not subdivide the holodeck i mean it can create any think. scenario like just create little right like, personal pockets in there as long as everyone has like a three-foot circle to like run in place in yeah and everything would just set up hollow walls and no one's any the wiser should be good whatever uh yeah you know, so Corp they... did that on deep space nine you ran out of hollow suite you're running oh. out one tenth of that hollow suite yeah I mean, you can rent the whole holo suite, but you're only going to need that the, thing. the edge. He's got that thing leveraged like a Lehman Brothers mortgage account from 2008. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, there's 10 guests for every room. Oh, yeah. Uh, so Picard and Jack share a whiskey and Jack asks when he's going to lose his hair, which is pretty funny. Picard yeah, you'd asks, You'd want to know that. Oh, yeah. I mean, Jack's got some great hair. I wouldn't want to lose it. Have you ever seen my Starfleet staff photo from, or my, my Starfleet Academy staff photo from Star Trek Nemesis? Mm-hmm. You're actually beating the curve, son. <laughs> I was uh, Dr. But- Evil since the, since the age of 13. Picard asked him something a bit more serious. Why Jack chose not to know him? And instead of answering that question, Jack chooses to tell him a story about an adventure he had and which does not satisfy Picard. He, he literally just tunes it out. Dude, that's exactly <laughs> what they're, the story they're telling. Like, like Picard doesn't look like he's enthralled or interested. He just kind of stares uh-huh. off in the middle distance while Jack's voice starts drow- drowning out. Mm-hmm. Picard is bored with the, his, his own son's one story. The Picard I know would have taken this story 
latched uh-huh. onto a specific element of it and then brought it back around to connect with the kid, not yeah. tune it out while he waits for it to be over. Agreed. <laughs> and Dorian's broken antennas. Let me tell you about the time I pissed off a Nausicaan and some, yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It, it's it's but that's the that is the story they're telling. The Picard got bored of his son's thing midway through. He's disappointed, right? He wants to connect with his son. His son is resistant to it. I get what they're like actually Wait. really trying to say, but they say are it in they? the worst way possible. What how what are they actually trying to say? He's dis why is he disappointed? He makes a, a real reach here out to his son to try and make a connection and his son dissembles, right? His son won't answer the question that that Picard puts to him. Instead, he tells a story that's unrelated, right? I interpret that as, wow, because like I was like, I thought Jack was trying to tell him a little slice of his life and it would tell him something about him if Picard cared to listen. It's the look Jack gives before he starts his story that tells me it has mm. nothing to do with the actual question that he answered or that he asked him. I see. Yeah. Uh, no, he gives a very Jack... nervous, like, I don't want to, I'm not ready yeah. for this kind of look. Yeah. Okay. Maybe it works. I just thought it was extremely funny that Picard, the, what, <laughs> oh, what yeah. it seemed to be emoting was Picard just like, oh, God. Andorian. No, it has that. A fucking that... Andorian antenna story. Jesus. Uh-huh. No, it ultimately has that effect. Like, the way that they filmed it, certainly. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, Picard's falling asleep here. To be fair, he's 90, but he is a robot. He should be able to stay awake. True. Suspend sleep program and just keep listening. <laughs> right. Uh, Shaw and Seven talk about changelings and how to detect them. You can apparently ask them a question that they should know the answer to, or you can steal their pot, get a sample of their goo, and scan it with the ship's computer, <laughs> which which Dude. is shut down currently. But they don't forget that later in the episode, thank God. Yeah. I was this, worried she was uh, just going to go up to some computer terminal and scan the entire ship with what? Scanners? Right. Uh, the the writers were so proud that they came up with the term Resigoo. Oh my god, so proud. Love it. They 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 le- they left work half day when they came up with residue. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. They just uh, yeah. They they tuned everybody out. The rest of the writers room that day kept working. The person who came up with residue just sat there thinking about how goddamn good residue just, is. Just pe- yeah, just pushed back like the uh-huh. <laughs> was like the Antonio Banderas gif where he just pushes back from his computer and goes <laughs> just like looks supremely satisfied. Yeah. Place your <laughs> fingers you- behind your head. Do you okay? Let me ask you this. Shaw was telling, he's like, "Hey, look, we got off on the wrong foot. I actually really respect you. I think you're make a good captain one day." Was he actually pro- making a point about the changelings? Uh, and and he actually still loathes Seven of Nine, or was he trying to make a sincere bridge to her, and she diffused the tension, the awkward tension, by making it a joke? Like, oh, you're trying to tell me, like, you're trying to pretend to be a changeling, and this is how I. Do you, which of those interpretations is correct? I'm not I think sure. it's the latter. I think yeah. it's the latter. There are a couple of awkward moments in this episode like that where I'm not quite sure what they were getting at. And it takes me a second to like really think sh- through exactly yes. what they said and exactly the look everybody gave. Right. And and Shaw, like I say, he's a big asshole. Like that's literally his character thing. Like he, right. they say it like four different times in this episode. So it could be like that. But I feel like it's played like the latter. Like it's the one thing where he's trying. Like, look, I am trying. And then she. Yeah. So. Well, at this but, point, uh, I was thinking, well, he might be the changeling because he's being so different from Shaw. Right. Oh, God. Gotcha. And I don't know if they're trying to play that up. Like. 
because the changeling yeah is, the captain the was all alone the, the changeling could have just take just taken the captain over yes that's that the thing the i don't understand is the changeling is picking these low-level nobodies on the ship <laughs> a transporter cr- although crewman, you know it, uh, but it like it could look but he, it doesn't know enough to effectively impersonate the captain like the captain's got to do shit like people come up and ask him like questions and he needs but the to, captain like, could order changeling. you not to ask questions too right that's like, true but no more then, questions get to your post that that but, type of thing but and you that's do that well for five behavior. minutes in the tng era and the crew will mutiny it's that's true. not the captain shaw we know that's true that's true but he's a giant asshole he is that is so the that captain is like the guy, he yeah. yeah you're thinking too small changeling uh-huh you could have had it all you could you could have died with the rest of them on this doom that's ship. why you'll never be more than a blob of half chewed beef jerky mm-hmm. yeah that's real disgusting uh we'll get there mm-hmm yeah, I guess that's the new plan. Um, Do you still think they're calling pot marijuana pot in the 25th century? Yeah, uh, maybe. I, the hundreds of years is a long damn time. Uh, like, no. if they, I don't think they were smoking pot in the fifth in the 1500s and pre Willie Shakespeare days. But if they did, I guarantee that it wouldn't have been. It wouldn't be called pot. Just a, just the way yeah. language drifts. I think you're right. Anyway. That that was I thought that was uh, another weirdly 20th century thing or 21st century thing in, in my Star Trek. The other kind of annoying thing here is that Shaw should be huddled up with the rest of the crew in the portions of the ship that still have life support. <laughs> but apparently his doors, nah. his crew quarters, like uh-huh. all that shit is still online. He's got well, light. For cat- since it's important for the captain to have a, a calm head and peace of mind in a disaster, they make there's a there's a special uh, auxiliary power plant for his his quarters, right, so he can right. he can run a jacuzzi. Maybe he's on the holodeck. Knives. Shit, I don't know. That's true. It's true. Yeah. Apparently, you can just go to the holodeck and be in your quarters if you want. I also think that's like he just thoroughly flipped the keys to Riker. He's like, I'm just done yep. being the captain. I'm going to like, I'm just seeing like this, like waves of energy are hitting his ship. Asteroids are impacting mm-hmm. his ship. And he's just sitting there sharpening a knife like those dumb sons of bitches. <laughs> I don't even care. It's like that one YouTube video where the guy spliced the picture, the the footage of Captain Picard playing his flute. And like Jordy <laughs> yeah. was like, they kept on calling and like, Captain, the rack is about to blow. He just canceled. <laughs> keep playing his flute. That's what the, that's what the Shaw's doing, except for with the knife. Mm-hmm. I love it. Uh, Beverly is still timing the shockwaves. Seven searches the transporter crewman's quarters for changeling goo. And she finds it, I I assume, in the same place that, like, Rafi usually hides her snake leaf, right? That's Seven's right. like, oh, Rafi hides this shit in the vents. Let me check. Mm-hmm. That's a telltale shadow of a light fixture. I know where people hide their, their pot mm-hmm. slash snake leaf. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, she's got the changeling goo. The hissy issy. Uh, then we get the only cutaway, uh, aside from those flashbacks, the only cutaway of this entire episode, which is a cut over to Vedic, Vedic, whatever. She cuts her hand off. It turns into a face, which asks her about her mission. Apparently, this is her handler. She she's like a Rafi here. Uh, she reports that they went into the. Gra- is this also Worf? Maybe this. I is was also about Worf. to say, you know what? It's going to be Worf. <laughs> That'd be amazing <laughs> if he starts talking about war. If he starts talking about warrior shit, you know. Uh-huh. Uh huh. She reports that they went into the gravity well, and her handler tells her to pursue Jack Crusher into the well, and she takes her hand back and pursues. 
Uh, they never do this in Deep Space Nine, do they? Where like do uh, what? changing will go to a quarters and cut a piece of it off and use that to commune with the link. Because I thought it was a dope I recall, idea. Yeah, I don't recall that happening, but there are like changeling artifacts that will also be changeling. Um, right, like that, like that key-looking thing that Odo finds in the first season. Yes, where where you've got some guy who they think is a terrorist or whatever, and he shows up with this piece of a changeling or something. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so there is that, but not this. This is new, and I think it's pretty cool. I thought it was a really cool idea. Like, if you cut a part of it off, it can reform into the you know the collective can reach out to it and take it over. It's kind of I don't know how it works exactly, but you know it's changeling shit. Sure. Um. Uh, and I guess I should have figured that Vedic was a changeling. Like I didn't see working it coming, with changelings, but, but yeah, it made a lot I, of I was sense. surprised by it. Yeah, I, I do like this part of the plot. The fact that you've got a Dominion rebellion, the 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 Dominion South is rising again. Uh, and uh, apparently, yeah, she's she the does, faction the Wharf was talking about, right? The right. terrorist that now, broke off after the Dominion War. I don't understand why the changelings want her to pursue this at any cost. It seems like this ship, they've spent a lot of time and effort assembling it and put it together and having this powerful warship. And they're like, God, how important is Jack Crusher? Because she's saying, like, this is a suicide yeah. mission. My ship can't do it. Like, the the weapon that I have is mutually incompatible with being at the heart of this nebula. And they're like, fucking do it anyway. She's like, okay. But she doesn't really... She doesn't go in there after them. She just waits on the outskirts of this. Like she's also like, it's a weird scene. I like the setup, mm-hmm. but it doesn't seem like it had any impact. It's just like when Riker told uh, Seven of Nine, like, "Oh, you could be unofficial capacity," and she's like, "Oh, I know exactly what you mean. I'm just going to do business as usual." That's exactly what they do with Vatic here. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, she she does do that Christopher Plummer memorial chair spin. You know, oh, like when okay. he was doing the cry havoc and let slip the dogs of war. She's what Whoa. the fuck is she saying? A Dr. Seuss poem? <laughs> I don't like, know what she's goodbye, saying. Goodbye fish. Goodbye light. Goodbye moon. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. I don't know what the hell she's saying. Uh, <laughs> but I'd rather she just quote Shakespeare, to be honest. But she's got to get out of jail free card. This is what I don't understand. Just plant a portal where you are right now. Go pursue the Titan, and if you get into trouble and your tail spinning into the nebula, just put the other end of that portal right in front of you. You'll pop back out where you were. Like you it have a teleporter. Might not work that way, but yeah. <laughs> like, can you just leave? Because uh, how I long will that? Sure, they haven't defined. They they haven't defined right. exactly how it works. But if you shot something, like let's say, okay, we are out of engines, we can just shoot, and it's probably how they'll get out of it, right? Because I don't think she's gone. Oh god, um, no. So they'll probably just shoot a teleporter like a portal right in front of them and then come out wherever they want to i assume it's a lot of energy though i would think that that you couldn't fire that up while your your power core is crippled and you're tumbling towards a gravity source but i don't know you'd ride a shockwave get some power it's true but they just had how many how many fucking babies is nebula gonna have i don't know i don't know we'll see but yeah they're definitely gonna get out of there this is not the last we've seen of attic all right uh, five years ago, again, Picard continues telling his stories to the recruits. Uh, they ask about a no-win scenario that he was in with Jack Crusher. Not that Jack Crusher, the other Jack Crusher. OG. Yeah. Wesley's dad. He says he was reckless, and then we flash back to the present again. 
and Jack tells Picard he doesn't need to know him. Picard shows him other people commiserating, but Jack maintains his stance, and Picard says that he needs the moment. I actually want to get to know you. I love the st- where we break into this story that Picard is telling the recruits. Did you recognize it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's Darmok and Jalad, obviously, uh-huh. right? Like Shock this language barrier we had to learn to mm-hmm. communicate. Yeah, it's all... One of, one of the all-time favorites. Yep. Yeah, that's a great one. Uh, yeah, so this this does feel like, you know, Picard's reaching out. Jack is resistant to getting to know his old man. And we'll find out why later. Um, he has actually pretty good reason for that. At least his... He has a reason. I, I don't know if it's an amazing reason. He tried to reach out mm. once, and he did it right. without telling him who he was and, like, all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, so yeah. it wasn't exactly perfect, but also... I felt it it. was like set 16 or 17 when it happened. So I could see an angsty kid finally tracking out his dad. And he looks, you know, it's like uh, he looks him right in the eye and says, I don't want you as family. Mm -hmm. It would probably be it would probably leave a mark, especially with Jean and especially when everyone in the bar stands up and claps in agreement. (laughs) Um, But uh, I I also thought it's funny because it's like, what, three weeks ago on lunch with Jim and Aaron, someone asked us, it's like they'd said that there's this minor trend and the young couples of the world where people are naming their children after former lovers and flings they've had. Right. And I thought it was super funny that Jack's like, yeah, I always admit, ask you that my mom named, you know, it's like you, you, me, your son after her ex-husband. That's fucking weird. Right. And Picard's like, Oh, you know, well, it's a, it's a Jack different was time. A man. Yeah. We used to double up on your mother. It was a, you know, it's <laughs> kind of a shared. We were communist. You understand? Uh, there's no meaning of money in relationships. And <laughs> I don't but I was just really because like the, is best when we work together. The, the, the face that Jack makes when he's like named after ex husband, like what the fuck. It's, yeah. It was just really funny. And no, uh, it is I weird, was, but... I do always love Picard telling a young man a story from his youth, where he apparently was this sex nuts, power mad, mm-hmm. Nausicaan punching, rising fucking dude. It's just always like he's the guy stole stole uh disobeyed orders and stole a shuttlecraft to get laid. I love it. I love it. This it's, feels like yeah. something a cadet would do because they're young and horny and don't like think about the consequences. Even Picard, even Picard. That's the thing I love. And, and Patrick Stewart is super funny. Like when Jack is like giving him shit about you disobeyed orders, get laid. And he's like, we were invited, you know, like this. <laughs> uh-huh. These way these women requested our services. <laughs> sure. I think the prime directive demanded that he steal that shuttle. Yeah, you would, it'd be inter it'd be interrupting with the normal development of their civilization to deprive them uh-huh. of this Federation cock. Uh, <laughs> it was the only thing he could do. It was a no win situation. And <laughs> that was the true no win. Yeah, they, yeah, they, um, they get they, they the shuttlecraft gets fucked up. And this is the other thing. It's like God, the scale. Presumably, they warped. Did they use sublight drives to take the shuttlecraft to the? the place to, to meet the ladies because like they got back on thrusters mm-hmm. took them 10 hours that's not a long warp trip fucking <laughs> grueling hours oh god that i again i don't begrudge picard saying fuck i do think it's weird that this is the thing that he broke the f-bomb barrier on like it's so, something so that, like so is, are we talking is about annoying this? 
You know, like I did my taxes, took me 10 fucking hours. I don't I don't know. Yeah, so I guess we can talk about the second half of this a little bit out of order. Yeah, this oh, is sorry. This is the part where Picard tells, you know, Jack about the worst jam that he's ever been in, which is this escapade on Angelus 4 where or Angelius, I don't know, where he borrowed a shuttle to get laid, ended up dead in the water instead, and they swapped power between systems, inched their way home over 10 hours. Um, and we're going to get to the Shaw of it here in a second. But yes, let's talk about, let's talk about fuck. Uh, it's, it's the first time Picard has said it on this show. And he says it about the grueling 10 hours that he had 80 years ago. 80 fucking years ago with his best bud, Jack Crusher. Um, in an episode where they go on and on relentlessly in this scene, they, they're going to go on relentlessly about his participation in Wolf 359. That is the time where a man like Picard can drop an F-bomb, in my opinion, when he's talking about the true worst experience. It, it's not fucking grueling to be in a shuttle for 10 hours swapping power between systems. It's fucking grueling to be sitting behind a console killing your friends and your comrades with no Against control will, over it. As you're fully aware and conscious of it the entire time. Right. The scale internally. of grueling, the reason this yeah. man would drop an F-bomb is not because he was stuck in a shuttle for 10 hours. With his best friend. Right. Like, I've seen him in worse situations on a weekly basis, and he never said fuck for a mm. five-year mission. So, like... Yeah. Why now? Why now yeah, I don't mind, over I don't mind this? Swearing on, I, I don't mind swearing in Star Trek. I do mind Picard swearing for what seems like gratuitous reasons. Yeah, for minor reasons. Like, they wanted him to say fuck. Well, have him, have him punch back against... Shaw here then because Shaw this is the other half of that scene honestly last week uh, the exasperation for fuck's sake will sure like that would have been Even like that. you know yeah that but like this like just, when he's yeah. caring about his son he doesn't want his son to die that's that's grueling mm -hmm. or if it's like when he's yelling at Beverly I mean maybe that would been a little strong because like <laughs> yeah 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 I don't know so yeah the the place where it would have made more sense is here in the second half of this scene where Shaw shows up he tells a story about the first time that he and Picard met which was at the Battle of Wolf 359. Uh, we all know how that went. He takes it to Picard for his role in that battle. And Picard accepts it and then leaves. And everyone in the bar thinks Shaw is a prick. Everyone watching the show also thinks Shaw is a prick. Even Shaw. This is what he chooses to do with his last hours. Right? I can understand like being yeah. angry at the man. Like He did kill a lot of people. Mm -hmm. these are your last hours. Look how everyone around you is using them and then look at how you're using them. And again, in the 21st century, people can, like, they, the, people do this shit all the time. People are this petty. People are this broken totally. and damaged. But he's a Starfleet officer and he's had 20 years to process all this shit and he hasn't done anything but mm -hmm. become a bitter asshole about it. And it's just, I don't know, it's kind of it's disappointing. It's kind of disappointing state of modern Trek. Uh, but... This it's a fine is, character. I think I, I'm, I'm pissed off at him, and that's okay. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think the actor is very good, but like, yeah. just and be again, better, man. <laughs> be better. At, like, in isolation, this is a good speech. Uh -huh. uh, like, it would be a horrific thing to have, you know, this hero of the Federation personally overseeing your destruction. 11,000 dead in this horrific, you know, Wolf 359 yeah. is this, like, big touchstone in Star Trek. And the mm -hmm. fact that uh, he was randomly selected to survive it. 
Yeah. Like all how that would fuck with you. But like, again, surely they have better antidepressants and uh, in the 25th century and, and effective uh, grief counseling and cognitive behavioral therapy. And <laughs> I don't apparently holodeck not. programs that can work you through your PTSD and trauma. Like, holy shit. Guy. I mean, Riker lives with an empath therapist. So <laughs> if he can't get over his shit. I guess and also he says license. a whole bunch of shit like, oh, there are real Borg are still out there and they have a name for you, Locutus. You're the only one that's so dead. Like, you don't fucking know that. They've assimilated 9,000 species. I bet there's a, at least right. 8,500 Locutuses out there. You know? Yeah, the atrocities they've committed uh, are limitless. Yeah. But he's not, that's not the point. This is He's not making sure. logical points. He's just purely speaking uh, freewheeling trauma association and it really frustrates me and that's kind of the point it's part of it like um it frustrates me that picard doesn't fight back picard won't throw any punches here because i know i remember i've seen picard talk about this in his most intimate moments like how this affected him uh what it felt like the aftermath of trying to get over it he's clearly not entirely over it because these we've also seen him landing, deal but... with an officer that like literally five hours ago this went through like when he dealt with cisco like cisco felt a certain way about this in the pilot episode yes. of the deep space nine and picard's mm-hmm. basically like fuck you you got your orders get that you know like i, I can't remember exactly how the but like picard didn't take any of this shit yeah. But well, he was not I as introspective of a man at that point right in in this moment it felt right for him to be like it's like when the room is looking at the captain like this, you don't have to you don't have to punch him boys down. You can just Fair. like, oh, okay. He's making oh, an ass okay. of himself. Yeah. 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 And this everybody knows winning. it. Did you clock that truly horrific haircut on the Vulcan? The Vulcans canonically have just god awful haircuts, but this guy has got this like a dude, Vulcan yeah. mullet. Mm-hmm. With like he... something that's trying to be a flock of seagulls up front. Like, I just don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. He went to an Andorian barber that had a bruised antenna that day or something. It's just... He only goes to Vulcan. He refuses to go to anything but a Vulcan barber. Get, get, then get in the fucking holodeck and get a haircut. I don't know. Like, yeah. 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 I, don't, I don't know what that guy was thinking. I'm, 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 yeah, oof. Yeah, it's bad. Uh, so let's jump back here. One, one scene where we get hit with another shockwave. Boom. Uh, Seven can't get computer power for the goo scan. And the changeling ends up shooting the pot out of her hands and tries to attack her. And then she shoots it and it crawls into the bowels of the ship. It just turns into meat. It, it's, it, it looks like meat wad from Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Yeah, I it's, don't. It's good. I, I, it just makes me It, it kind of makes a certain sense. That it's just kind of like it's still mm-hmm. turning into the matter and it, it's we're made of meat and all. But like, I, ah, I really like the old founder effects better. I, I do too. They're very cheesy. Like they could have done a better effect that was very yes. similar. But yeah. this is yeah. A but little I kind of like a, like an iridescent oil slick kind of looking thing. Mm-hmm. I I think yeah you're right. It's a little cheesy, but like it felt like an alien shape shifting thing. This just I don't know. Yeah. Like I said, meat it's meat wad. Yeah, it's it, real gross. Uh, blows up. I I don't know what is the residue. The residue has to be like part changeling, right? Did he just kill yes. a changeling? Yeah, can like like a couple hours a day does like the the residue at the bottom just form into a face and like, hey yo, are you here? 
Yeah. Are, are, you, are, you, are, you, are you online? Can you take a call? Can you turn no? the computer okay, on for just me? Like, yeah, just, get, just like, turns back in the goo. Yeah. Yeah. I, wouldn't, <laughs> I don't know why it wouldn't. Right? I don't know. Residue. I think Odo right. would be shocked and offended by all this discussion of pots and goos. <laughs> oh my god. He would not he would not have it. Red alert. Here comes an ad break. We're getting geared up for the sixth annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off badass season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints, except it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre, we're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was, and those of you who didn't, <laughs> now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim, order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar, then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved the venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. Let's boldly go back to the episode. Welcome back to the podcast maneuver. Uh, so Picard, yeah, storm, not storms off, but Picard leaves the scenario where Shaw's berating him, uh, and Jack goes after him and asks about what happened. Uh, of course, much like Jack doesn't want to talk about never reaching out to Picard, Picard doesn't want to talk about Wolf 359. Uh, Beverly comes up and says, I got it figured out. Uh, the nebula is counting down. These shockwaves are countdown to a birth, Independence Day style. Shit's gonna go down when this uh, hits critical mass here. Jack suggests that they try and hitch a ride out on one of the powerful shockwaves. They explain the plan to Riker, who does not like the amount of coordination involved. He thinks it's certain death, death, which I think they're already facing, by the way. Uh, and then Beverly invokes Deanna's name to encourage him to trust his crew. And they managed to talk him into it. I thought they needed one more piece of evidence for her to jump the space womb. I agree. You know, like what metric of like, oh, this is a countdown and it's just like a gestation cycle. Whose gestation cycle? Humans? Yeah. Vulcans? Like, it's like alien nebulas? 
Yeah, like I, I, it's like she's like, and I tracked it down. I, I hot wired some sensors and I did a scan of the thing and I found this central mass that's pulsating at the same time. And this looks, this has the same structure on a cosmic scale of a something. But I, yeah. it felt like a, a mad. But she doesn't have from, computers to scan anything, so how would she right. be able to? Right. I, but if you told me that she she stole she rigged up her tricorder to an <laughs> instrument panel and powered it, I would believe you, right? Okay, but she's sure. like, yeah. it's a countdown. I'm like, okay, this makes sense, and it's it's actually contractions of a space womb. I'm like what? But this is just how her brain thinks. If it was Jordy LaForge uh, tracking <laughs> these shockwaves, he'd be like, "Well, this is the precursor to a, a warp engine meltdown. We're right. dead. This we is need this to is fucking... like a, we're in a cascading resonance failure, and the uh-huh. warp core is going to blow. We got to write. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd been shocked when the babies came out, though. It w- if it Beverly's... was Barkley, he'd be like, "I'm about to have a nervous breakdown." Right, that's right. what's happening right here. The only Nebula's... Beverly had only Beverly had the right pre the pre, right presumptions to be uh-huh. accidentally correct. So I guess it's a good thing she was the only one investigating it. My God, like Riker just yeah. throws his hands they up really, and gives up. Right, he does. He starts writing love letters to Imzadi, and uh, Beverly is just like I, I do think they beat it to the ground too much. I think there's six different shots, yes. like thirty second shots of her doing seven. Six, five, mm-hmm. four, contract. You know, like they did that too much. I, I, and they needed her to find the space womb. I think, yeah, yeah. They could have just had her wreck on it, right? Like, just say, "Oh, I've been tracking these this entire episode," and they could do it mm-hmm. in like one scene, basically. You show right. her like noticing them and whipping out the tricorder, and then you show her or, later saying, "I've been tracking these." Or the other thing is, like, when Jack and I were in this nebula, the ship sensors had a whole bunch of passive scans of it, and I had nothing else to do. So I was just, you know, kind of, like, going through and looking it up, and I found this strange pattern. Yeah, they mm-hmm. could, but mm-hmm. they didn't, so. Nope. Anyway, uh, Riker announces their plan to the crew and tells them that they can get through this if they work together. And we kind of get shots of everybody reacting. You can see Shaw who I'm still thinking at this point might just be a changeling, like uh-huh. hearing this. He's back in his crew quarters. He's just laying there. Apparently he love... came just to the holodeck just to berate Picard and then go back to his quarters. I that also like this the Jack went hardcore into Coxney rhyming slang out of nowhere again. He's like trying to sell. It's like we gotta direct all our power to thrusters, match speed to the wave. Then Bob's your uncle, Fanny's your aunt. <laughs> like <laughs> he just turned into goddamn Dick Van Dyke out of a chimney sweep out of Mary Poppins for like three seconds. Yeah. And then he was he, he came to must be like a space stroke or something he has. Could be. The shockwaves are hitting him right in the brain, All, right in the language also centers. At the, at the end of it, like when Picard says, let's just do what we're great at. It's the end. Let's face it together. I would like Riker to be like, wait a second. You just talked me into ridiculous shit out of desperation last episode, and that's how we're in here. Nah, fuck you. Get out. I, I yeah. don't want to hear any of this space womb shit. Yeah. But also, the, the other funny thing is, like, um, during that whole Coxney thing, Jack actually says space babies, and Riker makes his face and says space babies. And <laughs> Beverly essentially did, but I... I like it's like, you know, Beverly's like, you know, like the very many, many, many space babies that we've discovered in Star Trek The Next Generation. I can think of like four different episodes where they essentially had space babies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Random particles of light that get in Troy pregnant, uh, cesarean births that they have to do. Um, 
Yeah, like the Rikers incredulous space babies. Like, what the <laughs> fuck, dude? Yeah. All Were you not on the Enterprise D? Damn. Yeah, nothing has made him believe in space babies. Yeah. Uh, Picard and Seven go to ask Shaw to help him hotwire the Titan, and he agrees, um, despite the fact that he is indeed the dipshit from Chicago, <laughs> which I loved. Picard getting getting a swear on. Do you think he's just going to be foul mouth Sailor Jerry from here on out? Oh yeah, oh yeah. It's a fuck this, fuck every other fuck. Every the words fuck. Potty uh, mouth Picard is what they're going is what Rafi's new nickname is going to be. <laughs> this is the perfect use of dipshit though, like because he's not saying it. Shaw said it. Right, you using know? his own words against him. If you want to be crass, Picard'll be crass with you. Double dipshit, double dipshit mm-hmm. on you. Then everybody starts doing their part to ready the ship. Uh, mm-hmm. Shaw and Seven realize that the changeling could strike right now. Perfect time. So she calls Riker for something. We don't get to see what it is. Uh, two minutes until the wave, the final wave, Riker gives Picard command and he maneuvers him into position and engages. Did you... Did you think it was interesting that they built essentially like a small block V8 engine space engine for Shaw to get on a mechanics creeper and go under there with like space socket wrenches and literally grease monkey shit. <laughs> now that you like that's a, it. such a literal yeah. interpretation of what like mm-hmm. what and then what's really funny about it's like okay the, an engine compartment is cramped and you got to get on a mechanics creeper because like there's limited clearance because you know you have to cars got a certain frame a certain form that 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 uh, it derives from its function mm-hmm. and like you can't have a car that's six foot off the ground because it'd have enormous wheels and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. This room is at least 20 by 20 by 10. Why the fuck would you have a low table that someone would have to crawl under with the creep creeper to get to? It's the just so answer, he could be a grease talk, monkey. You wouldn't. Yeah, it's just for yeah. that. Yeah, But I kind of <laughs> love the audacity of of, mm-hmm. of, of, of of having him get on that mechanics creeper and, and be a grease monkey. Yeah, love it. Um. Where did where did man you where, I, I uh did you, so you told the Riker gave Picard to Khan have we got to that part uh, yet Yep that's that's the scene we're in Yep and we're ending like right as he <laughs> says you, engages Did engaged. you feel like this was a little bit of a missed opportunity In what way Because we've seen Picard literally maneuver out of a draining asteroid field under thruster power like going up to the pilot seat and sitting up there and I thought they would I'm like Uh oh god this is cool they're going to give they're going to flip 90 year old Picard the keys to the ship LaForge get the fuck out the grandpa's going to show you how it's done Mm -hmm. but instead it's essentially an extended take us out of Stardock. Yeah I mean you're right he does have experience in the actual pilot seat and like the scene of like Jack being like, wait, 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 four more seconds. And Picard's like, OK, I trust you. From Why when? are we waiting? Four more seconds from when? From from your mark? From from when from when <laughs> yes. you suggested it? From when I lost yes. count because you interrupted yeah. me? Uh, yeah. Oh, wait. Now it's down to two seconds from when? Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like like because they, they show us the scene and it's like you're getting around his big asteroids. Like, why did waiting four seconds help you? Because it just seemed like it made one, it yeah. more pulse pounding. I don't know. I just thought it was really funny. Like, um, it was one thing in the episode, like in the original Enterprise episode, where he's one quarter impulsing and maneuvering on uh, thrusters alone or out. I thought that was pretty cool. 
but I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's just really funny that Jack is really this. Everyone gets this little something to do, I guess, is the whole thing. Yeah, it's not nearly as as exciting and kinetic as what Riker's going to do at the end. Because when Riker comes in and he's about to throw mm-hmm. this asteroid, and he's mm-hmm. like, "Fire aft engines, release tractor beam." That's like a one-two combination thing that yeah. he's precisely timing with his orders, and I I really love that. But plus, this, this ship this is, is all about nostalgia and like Picard mm. old Picard up at the pilot seat would have been really fucking cool and nostalgic as hell they even use the exact same 3D graphics of when him maneuvering through the asteroid corridor like that's what Jack was looking at and calling out it's like God, just just have him sit at the pilot seat man it would have been cool I, I do think the more nostalgic thing though here is to have Riker at his right side him yeah. in the command chair like if you're Beverly. really trying to hit the nostalgia button they did it yeah I guess that's true but I guess that's true. You're right. I would have liked to see old man Picard pilot this thing as well. Do you know what I want to see at least once in this fucking season? What's that? I want to see Will do the Riker maneuver. Yeah, I keep waiting. I keep waiting for him to reverse mount the chair and he just refuses to do it. Is did they fix? Did they fuse Jonathan Frakes spine? He no longer feels back they pain. Because that they was cannot, that was the reason that he always did that next level <laughs> sit down is that <laughs> like apparently it? his back hurt so bad that he couldn't sit conventionally he had to do the the hop and squat wow maybe federation regulations were changed so he couldn't do it they made the chair back it was taller yeah just it, right at crotch level for riker it was, it was a riker rule it's just too it's too uh-huh. powerful a move you can't you can't walk into a ready room and mount a chair like that and expect your command your commanding officer to have any authority over you mm-hmm no way. <laughs> it's like Bart Simpson saying, eat my shorts at a principal. You have no, you, no. You, got, you got no room to maneuver after that. Uh, all right. Shaw opens the first port nacelle. Um, when Crash shows up to offer him some help, that's obviously super suspicious. So Seven puts a gun to her head. And when Crash calls Seven Hanson, Seven shoots her because that's not what Crash calls her. She says... Ensign LaForge always calls me Commander Seven out of respect, and then she says, and I call her Crash because it really chaps her ass. Uh, no, <laughs> she she doesn't say that. Isn't it weird to call her Commander Seven? I would think you would her if if I was to guess yeah. uh, how you'd refer to her, it'd be O nine. It'd be like an Irish O nine. Oh, like O'Brien. Okay. Yeah, You're like Commander O nine, and her first name Seven. Commander Seven's weird. Yeah. It's like Commander Will. Yeah, you're right. I don't know. Dr. How Beverly. do you do with aliens that don't have multiple names? Just Commander your name, right? Well, I mean, that's, yeah, if you just have the one name, that's true. And I guess seven of nine is, but it's, yeah, that's like, to me, it's like, uh, you could go seven oh nine or just nine and of is your middle name, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't Commander know. seven. It also highlighted that like Shaw still is being a giant asshole because he's still calling her Commander yes. Hanson, even after they've kind of come to a a peace agreement. And he made also, her change it in the first place. That's the thing that should right. has, has really eaten at her is he's never respected her. Right, right. Um, the other thing is that Shaw's just a big dumbass, right? Like it's obvious that Crash LaForge is the changeling, and it's like, oh yeah. The way he plays it, I thought he kind of knew, and I thought he was going to, like, reach for a spanner, and when she came down there, he was on a clocker. But then, like, it became clear to me that, no, he was just an idiot, and 
Seven had to save him. I think he's just in a really bad position, or or this is part of the plan, right? He's supposed to look nervous. He's supposed to like oh. not give it away that Seven's in the corner. Okay. Seven never okay. leaves, right? She that just makes hides. sense. That makes sense. But you're right. He does. He does kind of like grip some kind of tool, like he's ready to fight back. So I, I did. I thought he was going to like he was going to have a crowning moment of awesome for this guy, but not quite. Yeah. No. Um, they also talk about like, <laughs> apparently they're going to, they need a little more power. They're going to siphon power away from the comms array. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking, boy, there are a lot of systems still online for a ship that shut down everything, but life support. Also, they established You're... they cannot communicate outside this nebula. Why wasn't the first fucking thing you shut down? And, and they're flying blind. They don't have sensors I available know. to them, I but know. they got the comms array up, oh which is God. useless. It's like you're driving through Death Valley and you got the last ergs of your car battery and it's like you you find out the captain just now (laughs) turned off the windshield wipers. Like, what? (laughs) What? These things have been scraping on this dry-ass glass for five hours. What are you doing, captain? They're just Mm -hmm. bad. They forgot how to captain, man. Apparently. I mean, that's Riker's fault now. Shaw wants none of that. Shaw will not take that blame. He has not been captain... Any, anything it, resembling a captain for a two if episodes. you shut down the useless comms array four hours ago you wouldn't need to divert the two percent power to thrusters and what the right. fuck does it even mean for a thruster to be at 98 percent power i would like to know i you get a hundred kilotons of force instead 100% of hundred percent thrusters are what you need to catch this wave precisely 98 yes. will not do it apparently all right just get chewed right. up if you have it's 98 possible. it's possible also i really like how they are seconds before the wave and and riker commands them to trans turn off life support and they all look back to him like this is a death order right i'm like no guys you, dead like they've established that this is the last wave you can take you either catch it mm-hmm. or you're going to die what is all <laughs> this like turning off the life like you understand that the ship is full of air that's the thing that really got me is turning off life support isn't an in you don't have to hold your breath and you're dead in 40 no, seconds there's you will a, have several hours surely have you never um, heard of cave-ins and mines like they're trapped yeah. with the air they have and over the course yeah. of days days well, they, what they don't know toxic. is Picard or Riker's gonna immediately start farting and just <laughs> sure. poison the air just call all those pizza all those pizza oh. he's eaten He's eaten so many poisonous rabbits. He's been storing the poison in his gallbladder. <laughs> it's all going to be released now. The toxic yeah. cloud. Residue. Res- Riker residue <laughs> is going to flood the compartment. <laughs> Riker goo. Uh, oh, do you know how much, right. you know much a residue that the Riker residue have been clear- cleaned up on uh, Ryza? Oh, my God. Too much. They got bathtubs of it. <laughs> Shaw opens the other nacelle port. They have to dodge some asteroids up on the bridge. Asteroids right ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thrusters are almost charged, but to get the last 2%, they have to shut off life and support entirely. Sure. Uh, the wave hits, and it catches the Titan. All the systems come back online, but they see the Shrike is now in their path. So mm. Riker throws an asteroid at them. It hits them. <laughs> it takes their engine offline, and they start falling into the nebula. And the crew gets to see all the new squid-like life forms that are birthed from the nebula. And they get out there. Uh, I mean, there's, there's, yeah, I don't know. They get out of there. 
Yeah, uh, Riker called down to the orchestra department and told him to set schmaltz to maximum because oh, they re- they went for broke on the Wonder space music. Nice. Um, yeah, and then space squids. I mean, is it? I guess it's okay, squids I, that come out of a nebula. This is a little weird. You'll never guess that I didn't like the design of these space squids because I feel like in the next generation, if they, they gave the production department, like design a space baby, they'd be like, what does look alien and something that feels like it would cruise the stars on our limited effects budget and what we can do. And it would always be here. It's like, make us something that would look cute as a plushie. Yeah. I want I want a whole bunch of nerds ordering these things that hang off their rear view mirrors in their cars. Like they mm-hmm. have a face, they have big, cute puppy eyes. It doesn't look like it doesn't look like an alien thing. They're like, God damn, Grogu is eating our fucking lunch it over is. here. It's squid we Grogu. Need something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was I weak. guarantee you'll be able to buy this on the Paramount Plus store if they have such a thing. Um yeah, I, I don't know. It's just like I I was kind of annoyed by how cute the aliens looked. Um mm-hmm. yeah, look at Nagilam. Nagilam ain't cute. Nagilam's fucked up, man. <laughs> Galaxy Child fucked up. It looks like a horseshoe uh-huh. crab brain with like an ankylosaur stone at the end of its tail. Like what the fuck? I mean, you know, it yeah. doesn't have eyes. Why would a why would a space thing have eyes? Like Yeah. Why would something burst out of a nebula have tentacles? I don't know. True. I would think it would look more like a nebula than some kind of Yeah. Squid reproducing. Entity. Yeah. So right. it's like some giant space squid. Is there is there a giant space squid that lays nebulas as an egg sack? Oh, there's like some kind of some kind of ten see, light like year long space squid. I would too, but I'd I like, like to that. see. Yeah, I'd like to right. see like what that thing looks like. Totally. Uh, maybe it's, it lives in a higher dimension and it, it enters this dim- lower dimension just to give birth like sea turtles or something. Yeah, there you Our go. Our dimension Boom. is Solved its it. is its sewer, and this is its shit, and it's never actually considered that. It shit might also birth more of it. I love a good starship riding a shockwave. Mm-hmm. Like I, I love that in Star Trek Six, where Sulu's turn her into the wave, and they're like, you know, like then this, it's like when it hits the Titan, it flips it up like a surfboard, and they're barely yeah. in control. And Crash LaForge is like being the expert pilot. I, I thought this was actually the last five minutes of this show. You're right, a very much T, old school TNG vibes, where the whole crew uh-huh. comes together to barely get out. You got the wonder of the babies coming. Um, Totally. Not sure about how we got here, but it did give the old school TNG tingles. Yeah. All right, let's go back five years ago. Picard finishes his story to the recruits. Jack Crusher is also there and asks him if he had a life outside of his adventures in Starfleet. Picard replies that Starfleet has been the only family he's ever needed. The recru- recruits applaud as Jack gets crushed. This, this scene is just like, you know, in the, the chick, you know, the chick tract. Like these weird black and white religious yeah, comic books. Mm-hmm. This is like the one where the young Christian boy uh, completely dunks on the university's evil professor of evolution, and like the whole nice. classroom stands up and claps. Like that's mm-hmm. Jack is the evil evolution teacher <laughs> that Picard just inadvertently dunked on. Like that's some cold shit. The look your son in yes. the eyes. Sixteen. He's come to Earth just to see you, and you ask him, "Hey, did you ever think you missed out on family?" Young man, Starfleet's the only family I ever needed. And then everyone just applauds like, yeah, fuck family. We got stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's a goddamn cult to Starfleet. Yeah. Poor I, Jack Crusher. Man, it's a little ridiculous, but I also love it. I think like the, the thing it's trying to say here 
about mm-hmm. how Captain Picard has foregone any life outside of Starfleet. Uh, the applause like works in that regard, but it is uh-huh. also cheesy, right? Like, can you imagine? I don't know, just being a bystander here and listening to this old man's story, and then hearing him say Starfleet's the only family I ever needed, and a bunch of cadets just cheering. Yeah, I'd be like, you brainwashed you... fucking monkeys. Yeah, like it make you feel like shit <sighs> if you're his natural born son, and then also, yeah, it makes Starfleet look a little little creepy, a little culty. Yeah. I get it. I get it if they could be this like, hmm, yeah, I agree. Nice. But to applaud. How it's do you funny. think Jack got in this bar? Do you think he stole Jack Crusher's actual ID? Yeah. From like 50 yeah, the star years ago or whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Obviously, Beverly has all that shit, so why not? Uh-huh. Although I there. guess, you know, I thought this whole time from the first, I didn't update my priors. Uh, that briefcase that said Jack Crusher... Yeah, that could actually is. be his. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. But still, I, I assume, but but I don't know if she has hands. all those other mementos out. It's like, maybe that is... It might be... Wesley's old, dad. What? Yeah, it could be. I guess I don't need to necessarily update my priors on that. Maybe, maybe. Uh, okay, and then Riker finishes his message to Deanna on a video call with her. He apologizes for being emotionally absent she asks if he and Picard are in trouble, but he's not sure. Uh, somehow I doubt they're in trouble. Well, there's a whole lot of season. I bet they're in a lot of trouble, but I bet they'll get through. Not it. not from Starfleet, though. I yeah, think that's, that's what true, she's true. asking. Like, are you in trouble for commandeering? God, I don't know why they're not. I don't know why they're because not. Because it's Star Trek and this is Picard. You're right. Like, realistically, Captain Picard they should be. had to save the entire Earth from malevolent whales from space to avoid a... Qu- and he still got busted down from Admiral the Captain, which is secretly what he That's always what he wanted. wanted. Yeah, Kirk, right. But, like... And d- damn, damn, for mm-hmm. the exact same thing of hijacking a Federation starship, taking it into the neutral... Well, to, to some uh, Federation backwater across Federation lines and saving one of their friends. Like, I kind of wish there was a little bit of the air of like, we actually might get consequences. I, it's worth it, but you know, also the guy who is responsible for reporting this mischief has a life grudge against you. So you're probably going to get reported for all your shit you're not going to sweep this under the rug. Yeah. Yeah. You think, you think just because you called me a, a dipshit grease monkey that I'm going to let bygones be bygones. No, 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 right. no, Because no. you saved my life that you endangered in the first place. No, yeah, you turn the whole crew against me, I can never command the ship again. <laughs> uh, and then Picard dictates an admiral's log, wondering about who Vedic is and what she wants with Jack. And then we see Jack experiencing visions of a world being destroyed, I think. It's like he just staggers out of the bathroom after composing his own admiral's log. <laughs> face covered in sweat, splashing cold water. and uh-huh. uh, And we see a door opening. And somebody says, find me. I don't know who yeah. that is. It's a woman. Mm-hmm. There's screaming. There's yep. the red roots. Did you notice that Jack has a, as, as a necklace with a prominent kind of like, there's a bobble that looks like it might be engraved with something. Ooh, okay. That's going to be important, right? Do they really just want his necklace? Is it a piece of a changeling that they've been trying to get back? 
oh, I was just thinking it's going to be, it turns out it's going to be something that like was meaningful to Picard that he gave to Beverly that she gave him to him or and he's uh, been wearing it the whole yeah, time yeah. because secretly he's loved his daddy from afar and, um, or maybe it's just he's wearing a necklace. I don't know. It's a trinket of Jack Crusher's that he's been wearing because he wants Jack Crusher to be his oh, dad because be Picard doesn't be want to be his dad. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Wonder, what, what does Traveler Wesley think about all this? I would love to get another cameo from, uh-huh. uh, yeah, from uh, Will Wheaton to like, find uh, out. Like Will Wheaton's like in the 13th dimension. He's like, you know what? I haven't checked into my mom in a while. Let's just see. It's like her and, <laughs> oh my God, Picard, what are you doing to my mama? You know, and then he's like, well, I've got a, I got a baby brother. Like, uh-huh. I guess his interdimensional bullshit keeps him too busy to keep tabs on the the family, but. Yeah, his family's severely fucked up. He probably needs to come back and at least check in. Bring some of his yeah. found newfound wisdom to it. Yeah. Um, and I'll, maybe your brother would be a good recruit for the uh, Travelers Society, you know? It's in the, it's in the genes, they say. Yeah. Except for wine appreciation. That gene got skipped. was recessive. It's mm-hmm. recessive Picard gene, the wine appreciation gene. That's it, man. That's the end of the episode. That is it. A good one. We're going to boldly get the hell out of here like uh, Captain Riker before us. If you'd like to send us feedback, uh, Picard at BaldMove.com. Uh, again, you might be you might be talking into a dead communications array. If we have time later in the season, I might consider it. Uh, I haven't yet, uh, but we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, if you'd like to follow us along on Twitter, Twitter.com slash BaldMove. And if you'd like to support us and get... Uh, great perks like ad-free feeds um, uh, premium audio content a latinum pot to relax your gelatinous form into no that 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 is uh, only valid in the delta quadrant mm, yeah so not very many listeners will be able to take advantage of that offer uh, go to support.baldmove.com and check into our club until next week's episode of Picard I'm your host Aaron And I'm Jim. See ya.